Welcome to Another Day Above Ground, a show for, by, and about baby boomers. It's the podcast for people who have no idea how to download a podcast. And now, here's your host, Dale Irvin. Thank you, Farad, and welcome, everybody, back to your favorite podcast, Another Day Above Ground. We talk everything about for and by baby boomers, and by when I say we, I mean myself and my two partners. Let me introduce from the mile-high city of Denver, Colorado, Carolyn Strauss. Did you know that you have to, like, get oil changes when your car tells you that? Did you guys know that? Well, it's, a, it's a good idea. It's, you know, it's not a must. If you why, you still driving on the original oil? Apparently, no. I had gotten one a while ago, and I forgot about it. And the check engine lights on now, and all the things are on. And here's what's upsetting: my mechanic retiring, my vet just retired. We're I'm getting to that place where everybody I depend on is like retiring and and leaving me. So, so Dale, come to my house and change my oil, okay? That's what friends are for. Yeah, right. And the ones that aren't retiring pretty soon, they're going to be dead. So uh, you'll have nobody left. And uh, no, I can't change oil because it involves getting my fingernails dirty. Uh, Anyhow, uh, what was I going to say? Tim Slagle joining us from Indiana. Tim is the Aristotle of comedy. Welcome. And uh, what do you have to say today, Tim? Well, it looks like change? it looks like England just uh, has just elected a new prime minister. They're bragging that it is the first prime minister of color, which uh, in England means uh, anyone with a suntan. <laughs> but as soon as they named him, and he, his, I think his name is Indian or something, there was a slight tremble, and that was just the queen spinning in her grave so uh... (laughs) i just think this is so sad that the queen's last act two days before she died was to shake hands with that liz trust person and now she's gone what she was gone like the 44 days later or something something like seven weeks yeah yeah i mean that is not the legacy that i think she was trying to leave I don't know, but and, you know, you know, being able to being able to throw another election uh, that sh- soon after the previous one, uh, when you when you look at what's in the White House, that's not such a bad idea. Exactly, exactly, and you know that uh, Liz, uh, she's walking away with a lifetime, lifetime pension for her seven weeks in office of, I believe, uh, if I did the transferation uh, correctly, it's about one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars lifetime bad. pension not per bad. year. Per year for doing nothing until she dies. Wow. For seven weeks of work. I would take a job, but for seven weeks. Oh, and then, you know, there's the whole Powerball thing. I mean, it keeps getting higher and higher and higher. Do you guys play? I probably will tonight. I'll buy a number. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, it, it's, it, it's actually it makes sense now because your odds of winning are one in 500 million and the reward is 600 million. So the odds are with you. Yeah, your expected gain, your expected gain is higher. It's, exactly. Uh, it's I, I don't buy more than one ticket, though. It's because it only, yeah. I, I can't believe so many people will buy 20 tickets. It, 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 it's so incrementally uh, advantage your odds by doing that that it's it's exactly. kind of it's kind of ridiculous is you're not buying really none of us think we're going to win it's what you're buying it's it's a dollar of hope 
And it's just that one moment when you're holding that ticket. It's almost as if you're actually holding the billion dollars in your hand, but you can only hold it long enough uh, that you did, that you can't spend it. It's, you can't it's even peel that, off a, a hundred for anything. What, yeah. is, what? I just I just think it's cute that you think it's a dollar. There's inflation. It's two dollars. So $2. I think it's, <laughs> there's a lot of inflation. Do you don't you get two numbers though for two dollars? No. Oh, okay. No, it's oh, two dollars. You get you get one line. You know, That's five right, or six numbers or something. No, okay. you know. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I just it's such a fun game, right? The what would you do and what would you stop doing? I would not quit doing this podcast with you guys if I won three hundred. No, but your attitude's going to be a lot different. <laughs> you can buy us better equipment. <laughs> no, we'll be doing it in person from our private island in Fiji. Oh, there you <laughs> go. All of us. You guys bring your families and we, get, we go do it there. Well, I was thinking today, you know, because this podcast is all about it's for baby boomers. And some people like Carolyn don't want to call themselves baby boomers, even though they fall within the uh, within the cycle of the of the years. That's what but you uh, no, they, you do. <laughs> and uh, I found out you can tell this is like, uh, you know, maybe a redneck stuff. You, you can tell you're a baby boomer if you are aroused by buffets. That'll that'll mark it. If you drive more than three blocks with your turn signal on, uh, two words to describe a baby: Branson vacation. You're not going to see anybody other than boomers there. And instead of passing out at parties, now you just fall asleep. So there you have it. We all got problems, my friends. We got tons of problems right here in River City. So once again, we have decided to go out and find an expert to help us through our problem. This man's name is Jim Feldman. Jim is a speaker, an author, uh, an expert marketer, and may I say a gourmet or a gourmand. He'll correct me as to which one he is, but he, he likes good food and he cooks it. And he has recently written a book called Think Inside the Box, which is contrary to everything we've ever heard from other speakers. Of, oh, you got to think outside the box. I, you know, Crap, I throw the box away and recycle it. But uh, but anyhow, we have him here today. Please welcome from Chicago, Illinois, in a beautiful high rise on the lake, Mr. Jim Feldman. Hey, Jim. Hey, Dale. How are you? I'm very well. Hey, let me uh, introduce you to Carolyn, whom, uh, whom you know, and of course, Tim Slagle, whom you're about to know. Hey, Jim. Hi, Jim. <laughs> okay, good. Good response. <laughs> wow. There, wow. I, I, well, creativity. That's abounds. definitely that's definitely a problem that's solved inside the box there, there, Dale. Perhaps we'll start with a problem. <laughs> Actually, can I say that Jim and I know each other not only through the speaker community, he's a CSP, I'm a CSP, all of that. But Jim actually did me a huge favor. I had a client that I wanted to send a gift to. It was actually um, somebody I wanted to MC for. And what nobody knows about Jim is that um, he is a chocolate manufacturer and a supplier of chocolate. And given that I believe that um, God got my evidence procedure for God is that there is chocolate, that I reached out to Jim and he sent this giant chocolate bar to my clients and they have are still raving about it two years later. Wow. So thanks, Jim. Must have been giant if they're still eating it two years later. <laughs> it's really big. 
they're diabetic. I'm sorry, that's a bad joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jim is a chocolatier, as they said. And I remember him telling me that he imports his own Coke. And before he could say cocoa, I was saying, okay, count me in. So, um, anyhow, Jim, you wrote this book, Think Inside the Box. What's that about? So the concept, Dale, is that if you use the metaphor of the box, and the problem is inside the box, and we are outside the box, we have no idea what the problem is. And so we've become a community of coming up with solutions to the wrong problems, because we don't know what the problem is. The truth of the matter is when you go inside the box and you start breaking down the problem components, it often reveals the solution because they've been hidden in the shadows. So it's kind of like Schrodinger's box then. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not code for anything. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yeah, no, just a dead cat. <laughs> just a cat that isn't as warm as it used to be. And so you have to you have to open up the button. Now, I, I, I read your book, and I was fascinated by a story that you can enlighten us on where you had a guy who was in charge of the local railroad depot or something as far as, uh, uh, I guess, they're lost and found, although I don't know how you could lose a railroad car. Anyhow, you bought it, and then you found out it was full of tomato sauce. And now you got a billion gallons of tomato sauce. You got your own train car. What the heck are you going to do with it? That would be my, you know, no matter how good a deal you got, what are you going to do with it? How did you uh, solve that problem? Find well, a really not... big pizza crust, right? <laughs> really big. <laughs> or a huge, famous painting to throw it at. <laughs> first, first of all, Dale has kind of whitewashed the story just a little bit. This guy and I were in law school together. We were in a study group, and he had a part-time job as an insurance adjuster. And he called me one day, and he says, I've got to go adjust a railroad car. And I had no idea what that meant, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity. So we went out, we found the railroad car, opened it up, and it was filled with Chef Bayardee pasta sauce. Now, we're standing in the middle of the Topeka, Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railroad switching guard. And as Dale said, how do you lose a railroad car when you've got a thousand acres of railroad cars and everything's being done on a clipboard? It's pretty easy to move it and lose it, etc. So we're standing there in the heat. And I said, so now what? He says, well, I got to find somebody to sell it to. I said, like, for how much? And he said, $5,000. And I said, stupidly, I'll take it. <laughs> what a deal <laughs> did that include the railroad car itself you are so yeah. smart carolyn it does include the railroad car now this is where the concept of think inside the box was born think railroad inside the box were, car it's a box car <laughs> so i went back to the study group I basically said, we're going to meet on Saturday, and I got a little problem for you. In the meantime, the guy from the railroad switching yard calls, and he goes, Mr. Feldman, Tim Schmidt, Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railroad, did you buy railroad car MDW in 1962? And I go, yes. And he goes, great, move it. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
in all fairness, I had never thought about having to move the railroad car. Now, he said, you do have a locomotive. No. You do have a caboose. No. You do have an engineer. No. You do have a trainman. No. You do have the easement rights to move it across the railroad. No. He goes, well, what the hell were you thinking? And I said, it never occurred to me <laughs> that I had to move it. <laughs> I, I was going to live here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I figured it wasn't it wasn't taking up any room. What did they care? <laughs> he said, listen, I'm going to be off for the weekend. I'm taking a couple of personal days. Have an answer for me by Wednesday. So on Saturday, I reassembled the study group, and we started with the, here's a bunch of beer, here's some pizza. Before we get started, I want to play a game. What if you had a railroad car filled with pasta sauce? And so the thought immediately came out, it was going somewhere. Let's figure out where it was going, and we'll sell it to whoever's got it. So we thought prisons, military universities, hospital, fantastic idea. So Monday morning, I'm on the phone. I get a hold of the closest Air Force recruiting base. Guy says, I'll take it. How much do you have? Hell, I don't know. <laughs> so I have to go back out and measure the container. It's 60 feet long. 20 feet high, four feet, eight and a half inches wide, and roughly that equates to 33,000 gallons of pasta sauce. Tell now, me how it was stored. Wait a minute. Was it in barrels? What is it in gallons? Was no, it, it was cans? in number, number 10 restaurant size cans, and then there were six cans to a carton. Okay. Okay. Yep. So if you think about 33,000 gallons, and I only get a dollar a gallon. And I've invested $5,000, and I can sell it for $33,000. That's not a bad weekend. So the guy says, I'll give you a buck and a half. Woohoo! He says, okay, what's your GSA number? What the hell is a GSA number? He says, you can't sell it to the government without a GSA number. I don't have one. He says, well, we'll mail you the paperwork. You mail it into Washington. Washington will mail it back to you, and then we'll buy it. And I said, you don't understand. I have to have this all done by Wednesday. Today is Monday. He goes, can't help you. Turns out that's the same with the university and the prisons and everything else. So here's where the 3D thinking comes into play. We were focused on where it was going to, not where it was coming from. So I went back to the manufacturer. And through a little subversive conversation, I end up with the product manager's assistant, who's a temp, and I tell her that I'm doing a paper on the cost of a commodity, say, mm, pasta sauce, and what it costs you to make it versus what you sell it for. And she said, I can't help you, but there is a report on his desk. Let me see if the answer's there. It turns out it cost him about $3 a gallon to make. Remember, I was offered a buck and a half from the military. So that's the number in my head, right? He comes back to me and he says, I'll give you a dollar and a half. I said, no. <laughs> he goes, why? Well, 
I've been working hard. I need to make more money. We settle on $1.65 a gallon. Why? Because he's not going to turn it down for another couple of pennies. And then to your point, Carolyn, I said, how much you give me for the boxcar? He hadn't even thought about that. Well, it turns out that when I bought that, that boxcar was about $75,000. Today, that same boxcar is about $180,000. Ridiculous. But how many of us on this call buy and sell boxcars? <laughs> so that's the cost of the box. So I ended up selling him the pasta sauce and the boxcar. I went back to the insurance kid. I gave him five grand and said, you do this again. I'm going with you. I went back to the guy from the railroad switching yard and I said, next time you lose a boxcar, call me because I'm a buyer. And I ended up buying about another dozen boxcars before the last one practically bankrupted me. <laughs> well, there's a positive note to end on. <laughs> right. Well, I want to hear about that one. That one sounds like more fun. But you know the TV show Storage Wars? Sure. You have Same a thing. whole new angle on it, Boxcar yes. Wars. Yes. yes, yes. But they don't lose them like that now, Carolyn, because it's computerized, and they've got barcodes, and they've got, you know. Before, it was all written on a clipboard. So in answer to your question, Tim, the last thing I bought was called a ski-wee. Picture a small snowmobile mm -hmm. or a small jet ski. It had a tread on the back. It had skis or wheels on the front so you could run it over snow or you could run it on sand. And I sold them all to the Tommy Bartlett Water Show in the Wisconsin Dells. And I made a ton of money. And about two months later, I get a phone call from some guy and he goes, Mr. Feldman, I represent the Tommy Bartlett Water Show. Did you sell blah, blah? Yes, I did. He goes, well, I need the name of your product liability insurance company. I don't uh -oh. know what you're talking about. Well, you're the last one to sell it. Therefore, the product liability falls on you. I still don't understand what you're complaining about. He says, did you ever drive one? I go, no. And he says, well, picture this. We put the skis on. They're driving them wintertime. They're going across the lake. They're going about 45, 50 miles an hour, and there are no brakes. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, that's not good on ice. <laughs> and people are crashing into trees and docks. Nobody was killed, fortunately. But there were a lot of, you know, broken bones and black and blue and so forth. And he says, well, you know, we're going to sue you. And I said, I don't have any money. He goes, well, what do you suggest? I said, how about we just take it and put it back? To, I'll take all the stuff back, and I'll give you your money back. And he thought that was very fair. So I took everything back. But now I can't sell it, right? Except that it's got a five-horsepower Briggs & Stratton, I mean a 50-horsepower Briggs & Stratton engine. So I sold the engines to Briggs & Stratton. <laughs> And made them come pick it up, made my money, and I decided that was a good time to bail because I escaped a big one. So wow. what'd you do with all the skiwees? No, no, I made them buy the skiwee as is. Oh, but okay. I was only selling them the motor. Oh, okay. So they had to come pick it up and disassemble it. But I made them such a good deal on it, they didn't care. Skiwee, that sounds like something a little kid would do when they fell down in the snow.
No kidding. Yes, Kiwi. <laughs> so, Jim, what can uh, how can baby boomers use this uh, concept of thinking inside the box? Okay, number one, beware of distractions disguised as opportunities. Beware of distractions disguised as opportunities. We okay. all we all look at you know it's like this idiot kid me saying yeah I'll give you five thousand dollars for a box car filled. I had no clue what I was going to do with it. Plus, I didn't have the five grand. I had to go borrow the money to buy it in the first place. But I'm a risk taker. So that's number one. You've got to be willing to fail. If you're not willing to fail, you're never going to succeed. But the truth is, you only want to fail once. If you make it a, a habit, you're going to go bankrupt. So that's the first part of it. The second part is, we have all been trained to what to think, but not how to think. And there's a big difference. There's the old joke about the woman who hires a plumber. The plumber comes over and he whacks the drain with a hammer and he gives her a bill for $100. And she goes, $100? What was that for? He says, fixing your drain. She goes, all you did was whack the sink. And he goes, lady, it was a dollar for whacking it. It was $99 for knowing where, how, and how much. And that's what we have to do, Dale, that the baby boomers have forgotten because they haven't been taught how to think about all the information that's out there. Their idea of thinking is, hey, Siri, <laughs> you know, and let Siri come up with the answer. And, of course, the rest of us had to do it by ourselves. And see, when I when I hear you say that, you know, it's one dollar. For, for hitting it and $99 for knowing where to hit it, it sounds like something, you know, like if they were asked about their fee, a prostitute would say, you know, it's, it's, it's $99 for my experience. How much could a bag of flour cost, Dale? <laughs> no, no, notice it's only guys laughing at that. Carolyn has no idea what I just it. said. I have no idea what you were saying. I missed that so, one as well. I missed it. <laughs> it's, it's, flour sticks to parts and doesn't stick to other parts. Are you really going to explain this? I apparently not. No. <laughs> You know, you guys should be a part of our debrief after these. It's like <laughs> from being a part of this podcast. So, so going back to Dale's question about what does the baby boomer do? The problem with baby boomers today is that they've grown up with all this technology. And no, they we believe, didn't. We grew up without the technology. No, I'm talking about our current young people, the millennials. Oh, millennials. Okay. Oh, they're not millennials. baby boomers. Okay. I'm sorry. I used, yeah. I used okay. the wrong term. Yeah, I got confused for a sec. Cool. So I, I will tell them often, don't let what you think you know prevent you from learning what you need to know. And that's really an insightful way of looking at that inside the box. Because often you get inside the box and you forget why you're there. We are not going inside the box just because we need another hobby. We're going inside the box because we think we're going to make some money. So when you're in the box looking out at the marketplace, you've got to decide, is there somebody that's going to pay us for the solution? And if they're not, 
get the hell out of that box and go find another one. Okay. Okay. And all of this, you know, oddly makes sense. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm still not going to go buy in any boxcars. Yeah, <laughs> <So. laughs> I made money on all the boxcars, on every one of them. Well, that's good. It would just drive me nuts knowing that I owned a boxcar and I had to move it. I'd be calling every guy I know and say, bring some rope. You know, <laughs> did you ever think of doing anything with a box car like uh, like like fitting it to into a private train car? Because that's where my head would go. Well, but don't don't forget they had to come up with a way to move the product I was selling them, so it had to be a package deal. I couldn't really say back up a truck, empty the box car because I'm back to the same problem, Tim. How do I move it? Moving a box car is not. It's not like moving a bicycle. It's a big damn deal. No, isn't it more like renting a car or something like that? You call you 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 find a a, a company, a train company that'll hook it up and move it for you. Isn't it kind of like that? Yeah, if you're moving hundreds of box cars, but not one at a time. They won't do one at a time. No, because well, well, I hear all the time about people with private railroad cars, and that and that they 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 have to do that. Yeah, they, they, they hook it up at the end of a regular train going that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, you couldn't do yeah. that. Yeah. Again, well, again, I w- I'm not in these things for the long haul. I'm nope. in it for, you know, I refer to it as Jewish math, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I think Jewish math is very simple. You move the decimal point over one, you're bound to make money. So if you can buy it for a quarter and you can sell it for two fifty, you've made money. Well, as long as you're moving the decimal point in the right direction. Exactly. Well, and that, and I, if I'm not mistaken, those Jews do that backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Us Gentiles, we, we well, exactly. I think they would say that we move it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, think about it. We, Jews actually read right to left, not left to right. That's so it's correct. actually the perfect way right. to move the decimal point. <laughs> called a tabernacle i'm not sure maybe <laughs> uh jim one more thing tell us about the uh the uh, gourmet or gourmand side of your life you uh you love to cook you love to eat good food what's uh what's the deal so i started eating very young <laughs> and and i found that I liked what I was able to cook because I knew what the ingredients were. And so I started cooking very early on. And typically, every weekend, I will cook for what I refer to as the freezer. So I will look for sales. I will look for deals. I will cook on the weekend. And then I put it in freezer bags and everything's done for the week. So like this week, Jewel had pork loin for 99 cents a pound. Yeah, but you got to buy the whole loin. I t- I looked at that deal too. It's, yes, it's so bone what? in. It's bone in pork loin. That's correct. So seventeen what? to twenty two pounds. I I know. So what? Well, what do you do with seventeen pounds of pork loin? Well, first of all, you've got a, a a bone to pick with you, which means you got to get rid of the bone. The second thing is the pork itself, depending on how you're making it. So I turn it into pulled pork or barbecued pork. Dale has had it here. It's pretty Quite damn tasty. good. Quite yes. tasty. Yeah. And then what happens is I put them into smaller pouches, 
And then I use that once again. Somebody's coming over. It's easy to throw it in some boiling water. And then my new toy, my new cooking toy is called a sous vide. Oh, I got one of them. Yeah. Great. I do. Yeah, they're great. I was, yeah, I was looking at that pork, pork, pork sale and, uh, uh, it occurred to me, yeah, that the bone might be an issue. I was thinking if I, I was actually considering uh, uh, using my circular saw to make pork chops with it. You can, you can. <laughs> just, just, just be careful you're not cutting your thumb off when you're doing that. <laughs> and so much for this week's episode of fine eating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm contributing to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over there. No, and they wonder why I don't cook. <laughs> well, I can't boil water, y'all. I'm like the least domestic human I've ever met. Me. <laughs> well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Once again, Jim's newest book is Think Inside the Box. And your motto is shift, S-H-I-F-T, shift happens because things are always uh, moving on you. Hold on, I want to actually ask you guys something, though. I'm going to do a little plug for you. Aren't you guys doing a project together, Dale, you and Jim? And isn't that something that maybe our listeners would be interested in attending? Well, God bless you, Carolyn, for bringing that up, and the check will be in the mail. But, uh, yeah, Jim and I are doing... chocolate. (laughs) Okay, Jim will send it to you. We're doing the uh, uh, Persuasive presentation symposium and it's going to be three days at jim's house or at his condo way up in the sky uh it's just like the jeffersons and um we're going to teach you to take care of any problems your business might have teach you how to be a better speaker my job is to teach you how to be funny and jim what what else can you add to that well i think dale is trivializing a little bit of it he's going to teach you how to become a better storyteller because today presenting is about a story and so you're going to leave with insights on how to accelerate your company from two experts that are going to be able to break it down and we're doing it in very small groups we're only allowing six people at a time and so it will be a very intensive very focused on your business and we're we're going to promise them that we're going to help them with uncommon growth We're going to help them become purposeful. We're going to help them become sustainable. We're going to help them build relevance and fuel their growth and become transformational and not transactional. Okay. You and I should go to that to learn how to do a podcast better. That would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) And how to monetize our podcast. Anyhow, Jim. Go ahead, Carolyn. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. And Jim, how does somebody um, find out about it? What website can they go to? JFA.tips, T-I-P-S, forward slash symposium. So JFA, the dot, tips, forward slash symposium. Fantastic. Thank you again, Jim, for being with us here on another day above ground. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you. Well, we'd like to thank Jim Feldman for joining us. And uh, until next week, Carolyn, you have anything for our listener? I never say this, but go to carolynstrauss.com and you guys can learn more about me and what I do. And if you are in an organization that's planning a conference that needs an MC, I would love to come play with you. And there are pictures, so it's worth there it. There are. And, uh, and uh, uh, Tim Slagle, anything, last words for you? Hey, if I announce that my special is now watchable on YouTube? 
That's you haven't announced that. That's fantastic. Oh, excellent. Yeah, you can now see it on YouTube. You can see the full length special. It's called Tim Slegel Cancel This. That's all you have to do. Just Google Tim Slegel Cancel This. It'll pop up there for you. It's uh, it's 40 minutes of uh, uh, stuff so offensive I could only do it at one club in America. So. <laughs> Oh, you guys are getting all kinds of stuff. Go to DaleIrvin.com. You can sign up for the Friday Funnies. And every Friday I'll be on your computer and your email to uh, give you the uh, the four or three or four funniest oddball stories in this week's news. That being said, it's a beautiful fall day where I am, so if it is where you are, please go out and enjoy it because today is another day above ground. And that's it for another day above ground. For Dale, Tim, and Carolyn, I'm Farad Muhammad. Thanks for listening.